Good evening, everybody. I'm here to give the offering message really fast. I've been up here a few times talking about what giving looks like and giving glorifies God. But tonight, I'm going to talk to you about an example of mine that I have, but I will give you a scripture first. It's in Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, chapter, uh, verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. So when I think about that scripture, it was a time in my life when I was noticing two people that I worked with were um, just going through some stuff. And God told me one time to just bless them with something. And I really prayed about it and sought him. And when I did it, it, it wasn't so much what I gave them that opened their hearts and they was really thankful for, but it's what I told them afterwards that what God told me to give to them and why he did it. It's like, oh my gosh, Christian, that was exactly what I was going through. So God will use you in such unique ways to open people's hearts, bless people, not, not by just the giving, but what's behind the giving, the love that's behind the giving. That's what counts. So when you give tonight, just ask God to really open your heart, and wherever it is going, this blessing will open up somebody's heart to help them into the fold, into the kingdom, and that's the ultimate goal. So I'm just going to pray out. Help me, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for every person that's here, and I ask you just to open their hearts in giving what you want them to give to glorify you, to help people come into your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thanks, Christian. Let's scooch this over a little more, so I'm in the center of the stage. Uh-oh. Put that right there. To go. Hey, I'm excited to uh, be up here tonight. Um, my name is Jake Blaukamp. I'm the pastor here of Access. And if you're watching online right now, we want to welcome you, everyone who's live streaming. Um, so as you guys usually know, when I start off, oh, before I go there, I wanted to share something with you. I forgot. Um, you know, during that last song, right? That last song, it says, he has proven or he has paid the highest price. He has proven his great love for us. He has paid the highest price, and that just struck me. And it stopped me, and it said, man, he's already done it all. Like, he doesn't have to prove his love to us anymore. Like, his love's already proven. Like, Jesus has already done it all. So, so I asked the, my question, where's the disconnect? So if he's proven his love, if he's poured out his love, then how come sometimes we don't feel loved? What I felt God tell me was, he said that the, the disconnect is not on his end, it's on our end. It's the busyness of our life, and it's, it's, the, it's the consumption of ourselves that keeps us from experiencing that love. So he's proven it, guys. He's proven, he's proven his love for us. And it's our, it's our privilege, it's our opportunity to keep our eyes and look at that love and be consumed by that love. So that's just nothing really to do with my message, just, just an extra little tidbit for tonight. <laughs> um, so uh, before I get started, I just want to pray. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little off right now. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, dear God, I just thank you for this time together, and I thank you for for your love, God, and I thank you for your voice. I thank you for your for Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. So I pray, God, right now, and I and I just and I just say, God, I humble myself right now, and I and I put my own agenda aside. I put my own words aside, and I just ask that you speak clearly to me tonight, so that I can communicate it in a way that can that it can, can encourage us and bring us closer to your face, God, that bring us closer to your to your feet, so that we can learn, so that we can know you in a, in a deeper and a more intimate way, God, that influences every aspect, every part of our lives. And I thank you, God, that you. You are meeting each person here individually right where they need to be, God, and you're speaking, you're speaking life, and you're speaking transformation into their life in every aspect of their life, no matter where we are at personally, and I thank you, God, for your love and, and for your mercy and for your closeness, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to get going here. <laughs> so, as you guys usually know, I start out with a a, a little something that really doesn't uh, pertain to anything, but then I try to connect it at the end. So um, Nick, Nick and I were talking in, in the office, I think it was like two weeks ago, and he was saying something about phones, right? 
and how the government's always listening to us. Um, so he, he was saying that he heard this story that um, this couple, conspiracy theorists, believed that the, the government was listening in on their conversations. So they did a test. And you know how you're on Facebook and Instagram and you're like talking about one thing, next thing you know, Facebook, oh look, there it is. I'm talking about like a watch, next thing you know, oh here's a watch, just for you. And so, you know, there's good reason to this conspiracy theory that the government's always listening to the smartphones. So anyways, this couple is, um, they're doing an experiment. So they start talking to their phone and they say, okay, for the next, uh, how much time was it? Do you remember? Three hours. So the next three hours, we're just gonna talk about cat food. We don't have a cat, we've never had a cat, we've never talked about cat food, but we're gonna talk about cat food. So how much do you think cat food, what kind of cat food should we get? Uh, where do we get, where, okay, yeah, what's the best cat food? Uh, I wonder what flavor of cat food we should get. And, and just talk continuing for three hours, just, just mentioning cat food for three hours. Cat food this, cat food that. And then they did the experiment, and the next thing you know, they went on Facebook. Guess what they found on the little ads on the right? Cat food. So yes, the government is listening to everything you say, so watch out. I'll connect that somehow. I don't really know how I'm going to, but I just feel like I had to talk about the government since we're in the time right now, right? Um... So we're in a series, if you weren't here last week, we were in a series called Walking or Living in Our Inheritance. As Christians, what belongs to us? What is rightfully ours, our inheritance? And last week, we talked about the definition, this is my personal definition of, of inheritance, when we live in the kingdom of God, when we become a Christian, when we say yes to Jesus, this is our inheritance, it's the life Jesus paid for us to live. Do you have that on a slide? There it is, inheritance. The life Jesus paid for us to live. And last week we talked about how our experiences are not our inheritance or our past experiences do not define our inheritance. It's what Jesus did and what the word of God says that defines what is rightfully ours. And just because we're not living or experiencing these things that the word of God, that the Bible says, does not mean that they do, are not true. It just means we have not experienced them yet. And so a lot of people, and, and I'm not going to use this, this is just for the beginning, I'm using this illustration. Um, when talking about inheritance, when talking about Christianity, a lot of people make it all about make it all about heaven. So they think that our inheritance or what belongs to us is that when we die, as Christians, we believe in Jesus, he forgives us of our sins so that we get to go to heaven. And so our, our, our inheritance is heaven. I'm using this not because heaven is a small deal, but just as a physical representation of, of our inheritance because heaven is such a, it's such a small portion of what our inheritance really is. So when our goal, when our aim, remember we talked about aiming, if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. So when our aim, or when we think, or when we believe it, our inheritance is only heaven, this is all we're gonna get. That means we'll live our life defeated, we'll live our life outside the promised land, we'll live our life outside of our inheritance, missing out on opportunities that God has freely given us to enjoy. So when we believe, just believe in heaven, we get, heaven's a big deal, I'm not trying to downplay heaven. It's a pretty big deal, it's eternity. But God has paid for us to live a life of, of, enjo of enjoyment, of power, and of freedom on earth. And so what happens is we, when, we start to, when we start to dig in and we start to listen to God and when we start to read the word of God and we start to have relationship with God, we start to get inspired and we start to realize it's more than just heaven, it's more than just my sins being forgiven, but it's about living a life of freedom and it's about living a life of, of love and of mercy. And so all of a sudden, it's not just about heaven, heaven's included, but it's about more than that. It's about, it's about enjoying life on earth more. It's about living in freedom. Does this make sense? So heaven's still included, 
but our aim is just a little bit more. So we start aiming for aiming bigger and we start asking God, how does this pertain, how does this, uh, pertain to my life? And we start having conversations and, and relationship with God because that's what he ultimately desires. And so heaven gets thrown in and then we hear something else. We, we keep going to church, we're having conversations with people, we're pursuing God, we're pursuing godliness, we're, we're pursuing purity and we hear something else that, that God actually wants to touch other people too the same way he touches you. That he wants to actually influence other people's lives and take them from a place of where they have no hope to a place where they have great hope. And our aim and our focus shifts and our inheritance becomes more than just for yourself in heaven, it becomes about other people too. So then we start aiming for something bigger. Our, our, our aim is bigger than just, than just heaven and just ourselves. It becomes about the world. It becomes about the people because Jesus, his one desire is that all people, all people come to the, knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He said, I came for everyone. God's will is that no one will perish, but he will not force his way into anyone's life. His love is so real, but he will not force his way in. You have to open your heart. You have to say, I believe. And so it starts to become more than just, more than just heaven, more than just ourselves. It starts to becoming about the, the world around us and how Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations. So our inheritance becomes a little bit bigger. And then, and then we find out something more. We found out, you find out that, that the kingdom of heaven or that the spiritual world actually has power over the physical world. And we find out that the miracles are possible. We found out that, that healing is possible. We find out that, that it's more than we do not have to live under the subjection of this world, but we can live free from it. And then our mind actually starts shifting and now it's more than just heaven. It's more than just ourselves. It's more than just about other people, but it's about bringing a different reality to earth. And in, in this, in this box, this is not, this is by no means an, an accurate description of the kingdom of God. This is by no means an accurate description of the, of the kingdom of heaven, because if I were to be honest with you, it would not, it's not contained. This is just something for us to say, you know what? Where I'm, at, where I'm at right now, there's more. If we're not moving forward, we're moving backwards. So our inheritance is more than just heaven. Our inheritance is more than just ourselves. It's more than just other people. It's more than just, it's, it's about a relationship. It's about a person. Our inheritance is the life Jesus paid for us to live, but more than that, our inheritance is a person. And he said, and it makes me so happy because he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to be with you forever. Jesus said, my, your inheritance is me. And if you have me, you have everything. I don't know why I'm getting so emotional. And last week or two weeks, was it last week that I was, I was sniffing and I thought I was crying. I'm really crying right now. <laughs> because it's such good news. My heart, my heart longs for every one of us, for the whole world to, to know it. It's my heart to cry out that we would just all know it. And I, and, and I just hope in my, my prayer every week is that we all would know. Not know in our heads, but have an experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ and how much he loves us and how much we're valued and how much we, we deserve, not what we deserve, how much he loves us and how much we're valued by him. It's my heart's desire for every single person in this room. It's, it's experiential knowledge, knowledge that we can't explain, a knowledge that we can't, we can't use words, a knowledge that says, you know what? I don't understand what I'm feeling. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't know why I come to church. I don't know why I'm saying these things. I don't know why I feel this way, but guess what? If we can explain it, then it's not good enough. If we can explain it, then I'm sorry. It's, it's probably not the, the fullness of what God has for us. It's something that's so beyond our explanation. It's something so beyond our experience. And it's something so beyond human logic and reason and, 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 and what our words can explain. Man, this is not even in my notes. I forgot where I'm at. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I was really good. Um, so that's our inheritance. Wow. So Joshua, we're in a story about Joshua. Last week, we talked about discovering our inheritance. We talked about identifying our inheritance and the voices of our inheritance and how we need to find people who inspire us into a life of inheritance that we want to live. And Joshua, 
Remember, he had, he, the 12 spies went in, Joshua and Caleb were the two that came back and they gave a good report, but then the, the rest of the Israelites said, no, we don't want it, we can't do it, we can't do it. And so the God said, you have to wait until that whole generation dies off before you can enter into the promised land, before you can enter into your inheritance. And now we're at the end of Deuteronomy, beginning of Joshua, Moses is dying. And Joshua is, is, taking, is stepping into his role as leader of the Israelite people. So he's stepping into this role. And can you imagine? I was thinking about how, how scary it must have been for him. How nerve-wracking. He had some big shoes to fill. It says, it says in Deuteronomy that there's no prophet who knew God like Moses before or after. He had big shoes to fill. Think about it. He, he saw, what did he see Moses do? He saw Moses take the, the Israelite people out of Egypt. He split the Red Sea. And then he saw them and they traveled through the wilderness. And then, and then he saw Moses conversing and having communion with God. He saw Moses meet God face to face. He saw Moses, he came out and literally it says his face was shining because he had such relationship with God. And can you imagine, he saw him, he was there, he was at the base of the mountain when Moses wrote the 10 commandments. He was at the base, of the, he was with Moses wherever he went. He saw what Moses did. He saw the relationship that Moses had with God, and now, and now Moses is telling Joshua, now you're next, you're the next leader. Can you imagine the pressure that he had? Can you imagine he looked at the Israelite people and said, I have to lead these people? These people are the people who doubted. These are the people who, who, who said they couldn't do it. These are the people who complain. These are the people who worship idols when we know the one true God. These are the, I have to lead these people, and not only that, I have to lead them into the promised land, the land that Moses, the guy who I saw, the man who I looked up to, the guy that he, he couldn't even lead him in there. And you asking me to do that? I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. I can imagine he thought that. So he's preparing, he's telling Joshua, you're gonna take these people and you're gonna fight and you're gonna take this land because people occupied it. They occupied the land that was rightfully theirs. If you remember last week, I realized it. Remember I talked about the whole seat check thing? Do you remember that? I talked about the seat check thing and I noticed that Dylan usually sits over there. He's moved up front. I don't know if he's getting more spiritual or what now, but. <laughs> so we talk about seat check, and, I, and I, I realized I never brought that back into the sermon, and, and I want to do that tonight just so you, so you think I'm a man of my word. Um, <laughs> so God has seat check on, on that land, right? And the people of Israel, or Joshua and the people of Israel had to go and take the land. It wasn't just going to be given to them. He had, they had to go take it. So here he is. He's being prepared to fight for his inheritance, fight for his inheritance. He knew what it was, and now he was preparing to fight for it. He was preparing to fight for it. Title of my message tonight is Convinced of Our Inheritance. So last week we, we talked about discovering it, and now this week is being convinced of it. Because how many of us know, we know a lot of things in our head, but we don't live a lot of things in our life. And the reason is we're not convinced of it. So we're gonna look at this, 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 uh, this character, this person, historical character of Joshua and, and, and take a look at how he dealt with his circumstances and how we can apply it to our lives and live in being convinced of our inheritance. So here we go. For my first point, it starts in your heart. It starts in your heart. Being convinced of our inheritance starts in your heart. So Joshua knew <laughs> his heart. He knew the call in his life. He knew his inheritance, right? We talked about that. They saw the land. Remember, we look back. He was one of the two spies that went in. He was one of the two spies that said, we can take this land. We can take this land. He was one of the two spies who said, you know, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. He was one of the two spies that says, no, with God's help, we can do it. If God is for us, who can be against us? He's the one that said, we have God. We have everything. Now 38 years has passed. 38 years. 38 years of a, of a, a promise in his heart that hasn't come, that hasn't come to pass. 38 years of, of, of believing that something's gonna happen. 38 years of, of watching and waiting. 38 years. It was in his heart. It was in his heart. Last week we talked about 
if you remember at the end of the service, we talked about what's, what's on your heart. What is God placing on your heart? What's the thing that he's putting on your heart? What's the thing? What's the inheritance that he's placing on your heart? Because that's the thing. That's the next thing. That's the next, that's the next level. That's the next level of inheritance that we're walking into is the thing that he's placing on your heart. So if you have that, if you have that on your phone, you can look at it now. You don't have to. What I'm saying is, is to go take a look back at it. And I want to challenge you in this, that if, if the thing that's placed on your heart, if you're able to do that, without the help of God, or without supernatural intervention, it's not big enough. If the thing that you, you feel God is calling you to do, you could do without the help of God, you, you need to, you, we need to have bigger goals. So take a look at what, what was placed on your heart, and if, it ta- if, if there, there's no supernatural intervention needed, we need, we need to aim higher. We need to aim bigger. Because if we... <laughs> I was, I was an elementary school teacher. It was all about expectations, right? You need to expect the most out of your students because if you expect the most, they, 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 they come to the level that you expect them. If you expect low, they'll reach low. If you expect high, they'll meet that expectation. So when, we are, when we're expecting things of ourselves, we need to expect high. We need to dream big. I was talking to Josiah before. He's the biggest dreamer that I know. He has limitless imagination. And we talked about being childlike. We need to have the dreams of a child. When you talk to them, they say, I want to be the president of the United States. Maybe not now, but I want to be the president of the United States. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be an NBA player. I want to be an NFL player. I want to be an artist. Dream big. So last week when, I, when we did that, I, I, God reminded me of, my, of my, my dream, the thing on my heart. He reminded me the thing in my heart that I want. He reminded me of the dream that I have and, and the plan that I have and the inheritance that he's paid the price for me to live, even though I don't live in it every day. He, he reminded me of that. And what that was, was to live a life that's unoffendable. To live a life so connected with God, to live a life such in relationship with him that no matter what happens, I will never be offended. Because it puts me in a place, it can put me in a place to where I can respond in a way that God is leading me to in any situation. It it tells me that I will not be subject to any person, but I will be only subject to the voice of God. So he reminded me of my inheritance, even though I don't live in that, even though I, I fall every time, he reminded me, so Jake, that's the thing I'm putting in your heart. You need to remember that and pursue that and know that that's what I'm calling you into. And it refreshes me and it gets me hyped up. It gets me so encouraged. It gets me so ready for every day. He reminded me of that. And I'm not saying that you need to have the same, you need to have the same, the same, inheritance, the same call, the same promptings on your heart, but I'm saying it needs to be something that you can never do on, my, on your own because I know that on my own, I'm, I get offended all the time. <laughs> so I know that if I can live a life that's that way, it's unoffendable that I'm doing something right. So it starts in your heart. It starts in your heart. Josh, God had to bring Joshua back to his start. He had to bring him back to the place of his heart. He had to bring him back to the place to where his heart dreamed big. He had to bring him back to the place where he said, we can go in there. We can take it. We can take it. He had to bring him back. He had to bring him back to the point where he was childlike. The point where he trusted God with all he had. He had to bring him back. God loves to bring us back, guys. He loves to bring us back. Not to the bad things. He loves to bring us back to the good things. We like to bring us back to the bad things. We like to do that. God brings us back to the good things. If you notice in, in Hebrews 11, it's the, called the faith chapter, right? It's called the faith chapter. It shows the heroes of the faith. But do you know who it lists? It lists Moses. It lists all the good things Moses did. It didn't list that Moses struck the rock twice and he didn't get to enter the promised land. It, 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 it it talks about David and David the adulterer. But you notice it doesn't refer in the New Testament or it doesn't refer to all the things they did negatively. It doesn't refer to all the things that they did poorly. It doesn't refer to their mistakes. It refers to their faith. So when we are identifying to our past, we have to identify to the work that Jesus done. We cannot identify with our pain, with our loss, with our, with our falling short. Go back to the beginning. I just had it. I just had it this week. I, I had a friend from college um, 
contact me and he just wanted to catch up. So I was talking to him and, and just listening to him, having a conversation, nothing really, spe- nothing really that special. And God brought me back to the time when I first met this guy. He brought me back to the time where this guy, he was going through some rough stuff. He was, he was, his self-confidence was low. He didn't, he didn't really believe in God. And, and he brought me back to a place where I was sitting outside of Grace Bible College and I was meet with him in, in, in probably October or November. He brought me to a place where I was with him and, and he was going through all this stuff and I believed and I believed with all my heart that if I could just introduce this guy to the voice of God, that if I could just lead him to a place where he, he could hear from God that his whole life would change. A place where if he just knew God and if I could just help him and pray with him and believe with him that his whole life would change. It was a place where I had so much faith and I was so childlike and I didn't care that if, if I failed, I just went after it. He brought me back to that place and he said, Jake, he said, Jake, you need to get back to that. You need to get away with it. You need to get away from having answers to things. You need to get away from having logic and reason rule your life and doing the thing that, that it's favorable to man. You need to go back to the things that are favorable to me, which is faith, which is believing childlike, not being reasonable. He brought me back to that. And he, he brought Joshua back. He brought Joshua back to his time. Joshua 1, 3, verse 5. This is uh, God talking to Joshua. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He brought him back. See, see Joshua knew that he knew the geographical region in which was promised to the Israelite people. He knew what it was. God had to bring him back. God had to say, you know what, Joshua? I need to bring you back into what your inheritance is. I need to bring you back to where your inheritance is. I need to bring you back to where you were childlike. So when we're talking about convinced, being convinced of our inheritance, being convinced of our, of our inheritance, what God, the life that Jesus paid for us to live, and we, when we talk about that we, and, we, and we relate it to Joshua, I ask the question, why did God have to remind him? And the reason is, is because Joshua was very discouraged. Joshua was very discouraged. He was discouraged because it's been 38 years. He's discouraged because he's seen so much. He's, he was discouraged because he wasn't sure if he could do it anymore. And the reason why I know this is because in, in the verses that I'm going to share next clearly identify that he, he needs some encouragement. And it, it makes me ask the question, how many of us have known the truth in our heads? How many of us have known our inheritance? How many of us have known the life that we're supposed to live? <sighs> but we're too discouraged to live in it. How many of us know the truth and we just refuse to live in it? How many of us know that there's more, but we're too hurt to to be hopeful? God clearly, God, God, the thing that God wants, the thing that God wants to instill into us most is, is hope. It's, you know, there's a brighter future. There's a better day. There's always, there's always more of him. And so, so let's see how God deals with discouragement. Let's see how God deals with Joshua's discouragement because I think he, we can relate to it. So this is what God does. He moves from what was in his heart. He, get, he tries to get, he encourages Joshua to move from his heart to his head. To move from his heart to his head. Let me explain. So I'm going to go through some verses. It's, it's kind of a lot of reading here, so just stick with me. I want you to identify and kind of catch up on the key phrases that are in, are in these texts. Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all the Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Deuteronomy 31, 23. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous. 
for you, uh, for you will bring the Israelite into the land, Israelites into the land I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. Joshua 1, 6 through 7. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left. You may be successful wherever you go. We're not done yet. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? <laughs> he says, haven't I told you, Joshua? Haven't I told you already? Okay, I'll tell you again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Why did God have to tell Joshua to be strong and courageous four different times? It's because he felt he was weak and, and he was discouraged. So what, what we see happening here is God actually persuading Joshua into what was his inheritance. We see God, God having a conversation with Joshua, persuading, convincing, reassuring him of what his inheritance was. That's what God loves to do. In the hardest journey on the planet, the toughest path to take, <laughs> the roughest terrain, the road few have traveled is when they get their, what's in their heart into their head. If you have traveled it. Because most people take this road. They take the road from their head to their heart. And it's backwards of the kingdom of God. We, see, we take what we know and we try to filter it into what our heart is saying. We try, to, we try to connect the two and what it's supposed to be is supposed to be what God places in our heart. It's supposed to be what God places in our spirit, the things that we don't understand, the things we can't explain. It's supposed to be those things that God reveals to us. And it's this journey. Nick calls it the 18-inch journey. I think you read it in a book, so you can't take that credit, Nick. Yeah. I'm sorry, Nick. Now that I remember the conversation, he actually said it was from a book, so Nick's not a, not a liar. So it's the 18-inch journey, the hardest journey that we, can, that we can move from, because it's moving from the way that seems right to a man into the kingdom of God. It's moving from, it's moving from the way that we've been taught since we were a little kid to the way the kingdom works. It's moving from our own thinking to God's thinking. the journey from our heart to our head. And here's the reality. The way to get what God has placed in your heart into your head is through a relationship with him. There is no substitution. There is no substitution to get what God has placed in your heart into your head. There's no substitution for the quality time it takes. There's no anointing you can get. There's no there's no prophecy you can get. There's nothing. There's no, there's no hands laid on you that you can get. There's nothing that we can get that takes the place of quality time with God. There's nothing that takes the, there's no substitution for it. There's no substitution for it because it becomes our relationship. It becomes our journey. It becomes our history with God. And that's the thing he paid for so that we could have a history with him. It's not, it's not so that he could be a genie in the bottle. It's so that we could walk through life through every difficult situation with him. There's no substitution for being able to have a conversation with God on our own with no one around. There's no substitution for quality time. There's no substitution for a personal relationship with God. There's no substitution for it. It's the only way we get from our heart to our head. We can't get to our heart from our head through counseling. We can't get from our heart to our head through advice. We can't get it through. We, advice can lead you to that place, but it can never get you there. The, 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 the journey can only be made through quality time in relationship with God. So we look at, we look at Joshua. God was, God was changing or replacing the thoughts that Joshua had. He was discouraged. He was fearful. And God was actually changing the way that Joshua thought, replacing his thought. Joshua was afraid, was discouraged, was worried. He didn't feel strong or courageous. I can guarantee you he did not feel strong and courageous, but God kept telling him, you're strong and courageous, you're strong and courageous, you're strong and courageous. 
And the reality is this goes for more than just this topic. The thing that we are most discouraged in is the thing that God is actually speaking us into. You see, Joshua felt discouraged and God was calling him to a life of courage. Some of us might feel that we're not beautiful, but God is calling, we feel that we're ugly, but God is trying to speak to us that we're beautiful. We might feel that we're not worth and that we're, that we're worthless and God is trying to speak to us to say, you're so worth it. You see, the things that we are so discouraged of of ourselves are the things that God is trying to get in on because in our weakness, he is strong. In the areas that we are weak, he comes in and says, I'm gonna do a work in you that's so supernatural because you were the opposite yesterday. And if I change that in you, if I can change that in you, if I can get you to believe what I think about you, then the whole world will see it on display because the whole world will see, man, he was like this yesterday, but today he is different. Something happened. Something happened. And it's listening to that voice of God. It's listening to that, to that thing in our heart that, that is so hopeful. It's listening to that thing in our heart that is so comforting. It's listening to that thing in our heart that we tell ourselves that we shouldn't listen to because we'll, 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 we'll be discouraged because we'll get our hopes up and then we'll let ourselves down. It's the thing in our hearts that's telling us, why don't you just hope? Why don't you just hope? The process, this process is never over. God wants to tell you himself. And I was, try, I was trying to think of a way that I could communicate this, but I just couldn't because I, I don't understand it. And I'm okay with being in that place. I don't understand how God speaks to us. I don't understand it. It's sometimes it's a thought. Sometimes it's like in your heart. Sometimes it just comes out of nowhere. I can't explain it, but that's what's so beautiful about it is that we cannot explain when God speaks to us and he speaks life into our hearts. But the reality is we have to give notice to that speaking in our hearts. And he wants to speak directly to us. He wants to tell us something about ourselves. And the thing that he's gonna tell us is something that we would never tell ourselves. It's something opposite of what we think of ourselves. It's something that is so contrary to our previous experiences in life that it has to be something other than ourselves. And he wants to speak that into our inheritance. He's speaking that into us. And that's the first, this is the first thing that happens when we're convincing ourselves. We're convincing ourselves of what belongs to us is that we're listening to him and what he thinks of us. And this process is never over. It's not like, okay, I used to think that I wasn't worth it, but now God told me that I'm worth it, so I'm done. No, the process never ends. We continue to go because if we're not moving forward, we're moving backwards. There's no neutral ground. I like, kind of like to think of it like Pac-Man. So, you know, like Pac-Man, you're like running, dee, 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 I don't know, what's the sound of it? How does it go? Okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you guys sounded ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, so it's like Pac-Man, right? You're like, you're either going or you're running, right? See the little white balls, you're like going and trying to get away, trying to go, and all of a sudden you get the big, the big white dot, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm on the offense, I'm going after those things. I ain't afraid of them anymore. I'm going after them. I'm advancing. I'm advancing into the kingdom of God. But as soon as that, those, it starts to blink, as soon as it starts to blink, you're like, oh crap, I better get away. You're running away. You see, it's either you're moving forward or you're moving back. It's never neutral. It's never neutral. Pac-Man isn't a perfect representation because you're more on the defense than you are on the offense. But Because Christians were supposed to be on the offense. It never ends. Our minds are being shaped 100% of the time. And our minds, our thought processes are either being shaped by the world and worldly thinking or are they being shaped by the kingdom of God and the kingdom thinking. There's no neutral ground. And that's, it's very important that we identify that truth. I want to share a verse with you, Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. If you have really heard this voice and learned from him, the truth con truths concerning himself, then throw off your old evil nature, the old you that was a partner in your evil ways, rotten through and through, full of lust and shame. Now your attitudes and thoughts must be constantly changing for the better. I'm gonna repeat that, verse 22, or 23. Now your attitudes and thoughts must be constantly changing for the better. <sighs> 
We have our old way of thinking and a new way of thinking. We have to constantly be changing for the better. It's not on our own will, though. Verse 24, yes, you must be a new and different person, holy and good. Clothe yourself with this new nature. Moving forward, listening to that voice that he speaks to us, identifying the voice that we want to hear, and believing that voice rather than the world's voice. Because once we start agreeing with the voice that God speaks over us, we start to renew and change and replace our old thinking with new thinking, constantly changing it for the better. Romans 12.2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is something that I felt God tell me today. God does not want to change the way we think. He wants to replace the way we think. See, changing the way we think involves our ability to change. Replacing is saying, God, I don't know how to think differently. God, can you please just insert a whole new way of thinking into my brain, into my heart and get it to my brain. He does not want to change it. He wants to replace it with a whole new thing where his ways are higher than our ways. The way he does this, the way he replaces our thoughts is through relationship with him. I said it before, there's no substitution. The way that he changes our thoughts is through being with him. The way he changes our thoughts is through getting in our room all alone. And saying, God, I'm messed up. <laughs> My thinking is messed up. I need to think differently. So God, just show me how I should think. And then every day, doing that. Because if we're not doing it every day, we'll be taking one step forward and then two steps back. Because we're always either advancing or retreating. So Joshua he heard these words from God. He heard these words to be strong and courageous even when he didn't feel it. He heard these words, I'm with you, I'll never forsake you, even though he didn't feel it. He heard these words and it started to change the way. He started to renew his mind. It started to replace his old thoughts. It started to replace them. So then here's the next process. Here's the next, here's the next step. You could call it a step. I don't want to call it a step, but it's the next step. You see, it gets in your heart and then it gets in your brain, but then it goes from your heart to your mouth. Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditate. And the word meditate is, I don't know the Hebrew word, but I know it means to like mutter or like, or like whisper. It's like, it's like repeating these words over and over again. It's like, okay, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate. Yes, I need to meditate because meditating is good for me. Meditating is good for me. Yeah. Okay. So that's what meditating is. It's actually speaking or whispering, but it's actually, it's not the meditation that you, that you um, might see in um, like the Eastern culture where, um, no, it's more of like a talking to yourself. And it's okay to talk to yourself. Girls do it more than guys, but it's okay to talk to yourself. It's okay to talk to yourself. Because here's what happens. God reveals our inheritance to our mind through the Bible, through the written word of God. He reveals it. That's where you find our inheritance. But he assures us to our inheritance through his voice. So we can, know the, the, we can know our inheritance, we can know the promises through the word of God, but he assures it or he cements it into our lives when we hear it from him. Let me give you an example. So when I was uh, at Grace Bible College, I was just doing some personal devotion time and I was praying and all of a sudden God told me, and it was like so weird, I can't explain it. He said, Jake, you're a son. He said, Jake, you're my son. I was like, that's so good. I was just like living there. I'm a son. I'm a son of God. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a son? I was just loving it. And the next thing you know, I opened my Bible. And the first verse I went to, it said that we are the sons of God. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's true. 
It's true. So he assured it in my heart, but then I knew it was truth. I knew it was my inheritance when I read it in the Bible. So they're both and. So then we, we find out these verses that are inheritance and then we can start speaking them over ourselves. We can start speaking ourselves into our inheritance, but I do not want you to confuse it for something else. That something else is this, as um, Nick and I were talking about it this week and Andrew and Tiffany, we were all talking about it. Um, this whole idea of, I don't know, you want to call it new age, but it's a lot of self-motivation, talking yourself into it. If you believe it, you can do it. Talk yourself, wake up every morning. Yeah, you're the man, you're the man, you're the man, you're the man. Tell yourself you're the man or the woman until you think you're the man or the woman. Just talk yourself into it every day, every moment. Just say, yes, I, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. And it's a lot of motivation to where it's self-taught or self-motivated. You're doing it yourself. You're, you're building yourself up. And I think there's some truth in that, but I think it's, it's, it's not the full truth of the gospel. I want to take a part of that, but not make it totally about ourselves. I want to make it about what God is saying about us, what the word of God is saying about us. Come into alignment. Speak that over ourselves. Does that make sense? So we want to talk ourselves. We want to convince ourselves of our inheritance because if we're not talking ourselves into it, we're thinking ourselves out of it. So Mark eleven twenty three. truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. There's a famous saying, Pastor Dwayne from uh, Res Life says it, before we move the mountain, we have to move our mouth. Before we move our mountain, we have to move our mouth. So we're speaking, are talking to ourselves about the truth that God thinks is very important. But it's not all about the speaking. Because I know of a lot of people, and I know I've done it myself, where I say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am loved, I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. We, talk, we speak all this truth over ourselves, and it actually doesn't change the way that we feel. It doesn't mean that it's not good to speak that over yourself in a time where you don't feel it, but I think there's a, a higher level or a deeper truth that we can be found in talking to ourselves, and that's this. And that it's not about just talking to ourselves. It's all about the conversation that we have with God through talking to ourselves. Let me explain. So when we're talking to ourselves, we're talking to ourselves from a revelation. Does that make sense? A revelation is a truth about God or the kingdom of God that we know in our heart and that is getting to our head. So it's the whole idea about when I said, I'm a son, I'm a son. It was like so good. I already knew it in my head, but it now hit my heart. So when we speak over ourselves, we're speaking from revelation, we're speaking from truth. But the reality is when we're speaking to ourselves, God is always desiring to give us a new level of revelation when we're speaking to ourselves. And if we're only speaking and we're never listening, I just spit. <laughs> we'll never actually get to that deeper level of relationship. Does that make sense? So a lot of us will talk to ourselves, I am the righteousness of God, I am the righteousness of God, I am the righteousness of God. And we never actually listen to say, okay, I know that, but what's more? Where's, the more? Where's more of the inheritance? See, I'm convincing myself, but I'm also having a conversation with God to allow him to speak life into that truth to make it a more dynamic revelation of what it actually is. So I say, I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. I already know that I am loved, but it, through that saying that I am loved, through that saying that I am beautiful, through that I am saying I am worthy, through that, I, through that saying that all those things, we are listening while we're speaking. God, show us more. God, I'm not satisfied, I'm, I'm advancing. I cannot be like the Pac-Man. I wanna be on the offense all the time. God, where's my, I need more, more, more. God, God, I believe this truth, but God, there's, there's, a, there's different angles that I can actually understand this truth that's gonna change my life and transform my life so that I'm living in a, in a greater inheritance than I did yesterday. Does that make sense? So it's about the speaking, it's about convincing ourselves, but never at the cost of relationship and listening to God. So what the speaking does is the speaking actually bypasses our emotions. So a lot of times we don't feel like speaking things over ourselves, but when we speak it, it actually bypasses our emotion and allows God to speak the truth into our lives and encourage us in that. So I want to I kind of recap the story of Joshua and how, it, how, how, how we're going to continue next week when Pastor Kurt's back and he's going to be sharing the, 
the final week about the inheritance. Are you guys excited for that? I'm excited to have him back. Um, so Joshua, remember, he, he's, he was discouraged, and then God speaks to him, and then God speaks to him, and then God speaks to him, and then he, God tells him to meditate on the word day and night. So Joshua's going to go back, and he's going to say, yes, God, I am strong, I am courageous, yeah. The, the law was the Torah, so it was the word of God, so he was always having the word of God on his lips. He was always having the word of God on his lips, but he also always heard from God. He was always having a relationship with God. And so what happens is, is I love this. I love this part. I don't have the verse, but I'm going to tell you what happens. So God is encouraging Joshua. He's encouraging Joshua. And then in Joshua 2, they're just about to go into the land and, and go into Jericho. And then they go and they spy. And the spies are gone for many days. And I can imagine they're pretty scared. And they, they come back. And they come back. And these guys, these guys, remember the last time they sent spies into a city, it didn't turn out that well. So they sent the spies. They came back. And they said, we can do it. We're going to take the land. We're going to take the land. We can do it because these people in Jericho are fearful of us. They're afraid of us. They've heard of the good things we've done and they're fearful of us. We can defeat them because God, this is what I love. We need to surround ourselves with people who are going to encourage us into our inheritance. Find people who are going to encourage you and say, we can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. The one thing I wanted to end with tonight is something that we read in those four passages when we went right down the list of, of be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. The one thing that, that came in almost every single passage was this statement that says, or it, it changes in verbiage, but it says, I am always with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the one thing we must be convinced of if we want to live in our inheritance, live in the kingdom of God, if it's the one thing that we need to be convinced of more than anything else, more than anything else, more than any of the truths, more than any of the, the promises, more than anything else, the one thing we need to be convinced of and we need to have an experiential knowledge of is the fact that God is always with us. Let me explain. So he said, he said in one verse, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, Lord, the Lord your God will be with you. He said, I myself will be with you. Because our inheritance, and I said it in the beginning, our inheritance is not only something, is not only something, it's someone. Our inheritance is Jesus. So what happens is when we, I'm going to relate it back to the, the beginning, right? When we talked about the phone. This might be a stretch, but I wanted to connect it. <laughs> So when we're talking to ourselves, we're talking to ourselves, we're talking to ourselves, we're talking to ourselves, we're, we're listening to God, we're listening to God, we're listening to God. It actually convinces our mind and our heart of the truth. It convinces us. Just like how when we speak into our phone, the government's listening. It's, we're convincing them of what we want. We're convincing them of what we need to see. We're convincing them. And so when we talk and we listen to God, we're convincing our hearts. We're convincing our hearts of the truth. We're convincing our hearts of the truth so that our truth, so that our hearts can change our minds. And that was kind of a stretch, but you guys can laugh. <laughs> okay, I need to get serious here. So the one thing is that, it's, it's, it's that he's always with us. God is always with us. And if he is with us, he is near to us. And if he's near to us, he's close to us. And if he's close to us, he wants to have communion with us. And if he wants to have communion and relationship, he wants to have conversation. If he wants to have conversation, we're getting somewhere. But it has to be known. It has to be an experiential knowledge. When the word know, when you read that word in the Bible, it's actually more of an experiential knowledge. It's I've experienced it so I know it. It's not a head knowledge, it's an experiential knowledge. So we need to know that he's near. We need to know that he'll never leave us or forsake us. We don't need to call on him. We don't need to beg him. We don't need to get on our knees and pray and beg and fold our hands and close our eyes. But we need to know he's always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And he's not just with us when we're doing good things. He's not just with us when we're doing holy things. He's not just with us when we're doing bad things. He's with us all the time. And if we can get this revelation, if we can get this realization that he's so close and that it just cannot be explained. 
When I'm sitting in my car, I can know he's with me. When I'm sitting in my, at work, I know he's with me. When I'm sitting at home in bed, I know he's with me. When I'm sitting wherever I go, when I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, I know he's with me. When I'm angry, I know he's with me. When I'm happy, I know he's with me. No matter what, I know, I know that I know that I know that he will never leave me, nor will he ever forsake me. He's always with me. And when we get this, and this is in the forefront of our minds, and we're convinced of it, it will change everything. It can change everything. God had to remind Joshua four times that I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And I'm here to say to all of us, he's with us. He's with us. He's right here right now. He is so close to us. I can't even explain it. He's so near that we, that we would get slapped in the face. We just don't even know how close he is. He's just so close. It's unreal. But we just are so oblivious to it because we live in the, in the, in the physical world. He's so close. If we could see in the spiritual world, it'd just be like in our face. Whoa. <laughs> it'd be that loud. It'd be so loud. It would just be right there. <laughs> Wow. Oh my gosh. It's already that time. I need to end. Holy crap. I'm sorry. Okay. On that note, <laughs> um, I really, I just want to pray for us as, as we leave. Um, so just by your hands and close your eyes. God, I thank you for how joyful you are. I thank you for how near you are. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love. And I thank you, God, that we are convinced that you are so close and so near. And I pray right now that people are having a revelation, a realization of how close you are, that you are so near, God, that you are so close to them. You are right in front of them. You are never far away, God. And that will be an experience that they cannot explain, an experience that they cannot describe, an experience that does not make sense to our heads, but that's what we desire. So I got to pray for that over all of us right now. I pray that we, would, that we would be convinced of our inheritance, that we would not be discouraged, but we would be encouraged, God, and that we would hear your voice, couple it with the word of God, speak it over our life, and be transformed by the renewing of our mind, replacing the way that we used to think with the way that we, that we need to think in the kingdom of God. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for how good you are in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Um, we're going to have some girls coming up and give announcements. But um, if, you, if you're here and, and you don't know God, if you're here that you've never said, you know what, I've, I, I, I've never given my life fully over to Jesus Christ. I've not said I want to live in the kingdom of God. I've not said, man, my life is messed up and I need Jesus to forgive me of all my sins. If you've not done that, we want to give you an opportunity. So after service, if that's you, you can come up to the front. We have leaders who would love just to talk with you and pray with you. Um, so if that's you, feel encouraged to come up. Um, girls, you can come up to give the announcements. Sweet. Hello, my name is Whoa. Abby. That's really loud. Danny and I were talking about how awful our voices sound in the microphone. And this <laughs> I'm Danny. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> okay, um, we're doing announcements tonight. First off, if you're new, glad to have you here. I think Danny has an announcement later. Um, the first thing we wanted to announce was that the cleanup, the fall cleanup for the Dream Center on fr uh, Saturday last week was awesome. We had a lot of people show up, probably 20 maybe from Access. So it was really, really awesome. Um, we picked up a lot of leaves and we had a lunch and it was just a really great time. So. Um, Again, the Dream Center is not a once and done. They do it every Saturday. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's from 11.30 to 2. And they meet at the Gerald R. Ford School in Grand Rapids. So it's just a really great time. Um, you leave feeling very good because you're giving of yourself. All right. Does anyone here come on Sundays? Who comes on Sundays? Oh, there's a lot of you. Okay, on Sundays a few weeks ago, we started an access hub. It's right outside of the main sanctuary before and after service. And we would love all of you to join us. We just kind of meet up and socialize and um, invite people that walk by to access if they're within the age group. Um, so yeah, we would love to have you. Also, um, we do have children's ministry for access. So that's great. I believe it goes up to age 11. Yes, age 11. I'm getting the nod from Nick. And two weeks from today is Thanksgiving. We will not be having a service here um, for access on Thanksgiving Day because we want you to be with your families and be thankful and have fun. Yes, and then Jake already announced it, but next week, Pastor Kurt 
Woot Woot will be joining us um, and finishing off the series. Jake says, let's just call it a throwback Thursday. <laughs> Hashtag throwback Thursday. And then also for any people that it's their first time tonight, we do want to welcome you. Um, and if you, if it is your first time tonight in the back, we have a table back there. We have a gift we'd love to give you and we'd love to meet you, make you feel comfortable and uh, learn your name. And yeah, we have a, I think you get a free meal card if you are new to or shake or coffee. They're really good shakes and really good coffee. Um, the last thing is, and Jake already said this too, there is a prayer team that's going to be up front here. If you need prayer for anything, if you need healing, if you just need emotional healing, if you just want to talk to somebody, come up front, and there are really awesome people who would love to talk to you and pray with you. And then the last thing that we have is there was somebody's birthday this week. <laughs> And there he is. Can you guess who that might be? <laughs> that is Jacob, my adorable husband. And yeah, we just wanted to announce that. And we're, I'm thankful for Jake. I think the rest of us are thankful for Jake as well. Um, so yeah. Yeah, so we're going to dismiss you all now. But um, we know that Jake does feed into a lot of you. And so... After you're dismissed in a second here, if anyone would love to come up front and just pray for him for like five minutes, we would love to um, pray blessings over his life for this next year, um, encouragement, and yeah, that would be great. Otherwise, that's it. You guys have a great night.